Welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of out-of-the-box thinking with the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, a special thank you to our premier sponsor, Rapid SOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and the creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, RapidSOS is sharing critical data with first responders like myself to get us the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become RapidSOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit RapidSOS.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. Hey friends, welcome to episode 16. I am wicked excited to speak to Jed Barton. Jed is a 32-year veteran in the 911 communication space. Wait until you hear how minor modifications to the console allowed Jed to perform his duties as a dispatcher with a very unique disability. After listening, I am sure you will see the value in what he has to say. Jed, thank you so much for joining me. Why don't Absolutely. you tell Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your history um, as it pertains to all areas of public safety? All right. Well, Tracy, thanks for for having me on the show. I I always love being on these kinds of things, and I, I guess I'll start at the beginning. My public safety career got started very early uh, in life. I was probably um, we'll, we'll just say six seven ish my my uncle he was chief of the volunteer fire department here in town and he came over one day and he he brought a radio with him and he said you might have fun listening to this and i said oh this is pretty cool and so he brought it over and because he was chief he's like you can listen to what we do on the fire department and all that stuff and i thought it was fascinating you know little little kid at the time i start listening to it and just thinking this is this is neat well um i figured out a few years later that how can i be involved in this how can i be involved in communications and you know work with these kind of people so we'll fast forward a little bit to um when i was probably about four yeah in fact i I was 14. We had the uh, local police department in town. I live in Rhode Island and the local police department in town just started an Explorer program. Uh-huh. And a friend of mine, a friend of mine who I had run into, he said, you know, you should really come down. He goes, you know, I know, you know, a lot of people at the department already, which I did. And he said, I think you'd have a good time. So I came down and the very first night, coincidentally, is when they were starting to discuss dispatch. And a number of bells are going off in my head, and I'm thinking, this is where I want to be. This is something that I, I've i always wanted to learn more about, I've cared about for a long time. And 
you know, we walked into the dispatch center the first night and I can remember it very, very well. I met the guy uh, who I would end up working with for roughly the next 20 years. You know, I'd heard his voice on the radio and to, to meet him face to face was just, and he's still a good friend to this day. Um, and I met him and we became great friends and he realized that I was hungry and I wanted to learn. Yeah. Um, I can remember sitting down. This was back in the day when we had no fancy technology. I mean, we had a radio console. We had a computer terminal. Never mind a computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we had a console. We had, you know, old phones with a thousand buttons on them. And that was it. Pad and paper. You were... That's how you were. That's how you were living. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's that's how it was when I first started. Well, no, we had we had computer. Okay, I if somebody's listening that knew me when I first started, we we had computers, um, but definitely relied on pen and paper, and then added it after the fact. And now, if I sure. think about that, I cringe. <laughs> I, um, you know, he realized my 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 partner Danny, who I would end up working with realized okay you know he wants to learn he really wants to get his hands dirty and he was right um within 20 minutes i'll never forget it we had a call come in it was uh it was an ambulance run and he said uh hey i normally don't do this but how would you like to send it out <laughs> i'm i've got all kinds of emotions going through me like yes i certainly do and, yep. and but i'm but it's hitting me like i'm sort of nervous but i said you know what it's either go big or go home. And I jumped on the radio and did it. And I can remember I was I was shaking that first time that I went on the radio. <laughs> well, especially if it was like trial by fire, right? Like you were just thrown into it and not expecting it. Right. Um anyway, and that that was that was the start of it that very night. I remember it was a January night. It was it was cold out and things were happening and you know, yeah, I started going in, I started, you know, volunteering a lot of time. I didn't care because I yeah. wanted to learn. Uh, I mean, those types of things would never happen today. You would never get somebody in an explorer group. They wouldn't even let you in dispatch these days. Right, um, right. You know, which in some ways is is unfortunate because, you know, people can't learn about, you know, you know, this side of the profession. But Anyway, so we'll continue on. So I, I did a bunch of work there for a number of years. It was in the, um, the town of Barrington here in Rhode Island and learned a lot, did a lot. Um, I worked with some great people. And at the same time, I was, you know, was doing my broadcasting career, um, which is what I was going to school for. But I kept public safety in the background. I figured, you know what, I'll just play around with this. You know, I'll, I'll keep it going because it was something that I really was passionate about. Yeah. Um, I ended up leaving uh, Barrington in 2008. And, you know, a lot of things were changing, um, you know. Now, and, so let me just go back. So in Barrington, you were doing the full-time dispatching thing or still just doing kind of like the volunteer thing? Or was it, it was always, it was always, a, it was always a, uh, it was combination volunteer and some part-time stuff. Okay, cool. That's where it, that's where it stayed for its, you know, entire career. Barrington had its own set of dynamics that were very unique. Um, you know, they usually only ran with one person and 
because I wanted to learn. I was, they, they kind of threw me into the hot seat. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of, and you know what, that's fine. That's, that's how it worked. And, you know, I got a lot of good experience out of it. I ended up doing a number of things. Um, you know, I got into not only the dispatch side, but I uh, got into the actual radio side, you know, the techie side of things. We're moving out of Barrington. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, moving, moving, moving out of Barrington. That was, so Barrington was basically, you know, 20 years, 20 years to the day, um, more or less. And things changed, you know, a lot of things around the department changed and it was time to, time to move on and kind of spread my wings a little bit. Um, after that, I ended up getting involved in a number of radio communications projects, helping, um, various departments with radio system design, um, you know, getting into a little bit more of the technical side for a few years. So I was doing that. You know, keep in mind, my full-time career was broadcasting. So I was kind of working both both careers at the same time. Um, where Dispatch really picked up again for me was in 2014. I ended up working for another department here in Rhode Island uh, in the city of Pawtucket. Uh, Pawtucket is the second largest city in Rhode Island. And it was a department, I mean, it was, it was sort of culture shock in a way, because I went from a department that did, you know, 15, 1600 EMS runs a year to a department that did 16, 17, 18,000 runs a year. Wow. And now when you were in Pawtucket, were you just doing fire or was it police, fire, EMS? We were doing just fire and EMS. In okay. fact, the uh, fire and EMS was actually out of the firehouse. And that's where we, that's we were, where we were dispatching. Um, they were going to a civilian role at the time and they ended up hiring a number of people. And I was fortunate to be one of the ones that uh, got hired. And it was, it was nice because I knew a bunch of the guys over there anyway. So yeah. it was nice to work with some good people and see some things that I'd never really had exposure to before because they just didn't happen in a small town. Um, so I ended up working there for until last year, actually about a week before COVID hit okay. when, um, when we went through a, um, there was, there was a, there was, there was, there was a merger. Uh, I'll leave it at that. There was a merger and, uh, um, a number of people got laid off and there you go. So, gotcha. um, you know, it was, it was one of those deals. I gotcha. So I'm going to go back to your career. Um, I, I would say more, well, either, either one of them. So um, when you guys were, when you were dispatching in both Barrington and Barrington, did you hear that? Oh, gosh, my Massachusetts accent is fierce <laughs> today. When you were in Barrington and, and Pawtucket both, you were doing full-blown dispatch duties, right? Like sure. answering, now were you speaking to 911 callers there or was it more or less you were just getting the info to dispatch? dispatch from from the the 911 side because I know in in Rhode Island and correct me if I'm wrong they they have um, a centralized 911 center they and do. then the calls get kind of sent off to secondary PSAP so were you guys considered a secondary PSAPs in both those places 
So exactly. So in the case of Barrington, we would have a bunch of red phones sitting on the <laughs> wall, bring, and uh, you know everybody would jump out of their seat because they knew, okay, it was an nine one one call. Here we go. Gotcha, gotcha. So as far as the equipment you guys used, were you using like the same software as the nine one one center, where you guys were able to kind of get the information or see the information that they were seeing as well? No, we actually did not have any of that. So we were using, um, of course, you know, the, it, it changed a little bit, but all we basically had was a CAD. That's all we had. So we, um, you know, the big program was IMC, yep. which for those who are New Englanders know IMC well. Yes. Yes. We used, we used IMC in my agency. And I like to think that I knew the product pretty well, like so well that I could probably use it with my eyes closed. Right. Yes. You know, do you think that you could use that equipment with your eyes closed? Do you think it's possible to do it with your eyes closed? It, it is, as a matter of fact, it is. Um, <laughs> F10 F, F was your friend, you know? I mean, yes, F10 is my friend. That's right. There were some cool things about I it. I loved guess. it. I, I, I felt like for me, it was very simple to use and it was it was very easy to train folks on. I, I, really, I really did like that product. It was, what was nice about it was I got to a point where I could hit, you know, a, a call would come in and I'd hit F11. And I could literally tab through the fields and I wouldn't even have to look at what, you know, what they were because I knew, okay, F11, you know, your, your call code, you know, one, you know, uh, or actually your F11, then you hit, you know, whether it was telephone, 911, whatever tab, yeah. then your call code, five tabs in your address. I didn't even have to think about that. It was like a second nature for me because I did it so much. Well, and there's a lot of people that, so I remember um, when I first started, I, I'm a mouse person, right? So like, I'm going to use my mouse and I'm going to put the mouse where I need it to do. There are other folks that will, will tab through things and, and that's more convenient for them. They, they're more comfortable on the keyboard. I, I, I can't, I can't hold it in anymore. And I really need to just kind of disclose why we're having this random conversation about how effective you were with the keyboard in navigating through, through a CAD system. You have a very unique, uh, disability. And you spent many years in, well, maybe not a unique disability, but you have a disability that most folks wouldn't think could enable you to be a super effective telecommunicator. Why don't you share a little bit about what that disability is? And then we'll get more into um, the accommodations that have been made and that are available for folks with this, with this disability. Absolutely. I have been totally blind for my entire life. I was born that way. The long and short of it is I was born three months early. They had to give me a lot of oxygen. And because of that, my retinas said, nope, no more, not going to work. And I've been totally blind since I was born. I was brought up with a wonderful family and they instilled in me, okay, you're blind. So what? Let's, let's be as normal as possible. And that's been kind of my motto for my entire life is that where you lose in one sense, your other senses take over. And I've been very, very fortunate that that's exactly what has happened, that 
even though my eyes don't work. There are other senses such as hearing, which are greatly enhanced and accelerated, which I think have really helped me as far as, as far as this job goes. And if I had like this, you know how like sometimes on podcasts or, or when you're recording things, you have like these like audience gas buttons and clapping, like when you just dropped that piece of information that, that you've been completely blind um, since birth, but yet you spent how many years now? 20, 20, how, how many years? If total? you, if you total, you know, from when I got into this point, it's been, I think we're at 32. 32 years as a telecommunicator dispatcher that was dispatching thousands of calls um, and, and not being able to see the cat in front of you. Right. Right. Yep. And it, 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 it's worked. Um, One of the things that has happened over, over time has been the advancement of technology. Oh, I bet. Um, I can't mean, I can remember when I first got started, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't have any of this technology. So I had to have people, you know, read me some things and whatnot, which is one of the reasons why I never worked alone, you know, earlier, early on, but you know, we, we just didn't have these types of things that, you know, that we have today, such as screen readers and things like that, you know, and talking computers and all that type of stuff. So I don't know if you want me to get into, you know, what I use for. Yeah. So, so I definitely want to, to get there because I think this topic is wicked important because you know, when you reached out to me, it's been a couple of years now that you just, you, you randomly sent me a message on Facebook and, and we started chit chatting. And, you know, I, I recall that you were, I think, I think at the time you might've been looking for employment um, because of the changes that had happened in, in your old agency and you, you were looking for employment. And I was trying to think of places that I knew we're hiring and you were like, yeah, but this, this one thing and, uh, I'm blind. And I was, I was taken aback and, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, okay, these, I, I'm going to ask some questions and, and I'm really, I'm, I, I'm totally ignorant to this. I'm not trying to be, you know, insensitive, but how can you be a 911 telecommunicator if you cannot see the screens in front of you? And you know, you and I finally got to connect and have conversations. And and I thought very quickly, like, I need to get this guy on my podcast, because I do think it's important that folks that are in the 9-1 Center um, just look at different situations and different technologies and different things where you might have somebody who is super qualified to do the job, but some enhancements might need to be made to to a console that would allow you to to effectively do your job as a telecommunicator so are there things that you would not be able to do probably um but there it sounds like there is a ton of things that you are able to do so why don't you definitely talk about um some of those really important pieces of technology that your agencies were able to implement or even even um technology because i think there was a piece of technology that you kind of brought with you so yeah let's talk about those those things that that you were able to to utilize to help you do this job absolutely 
So one of the major pieces of technology that I use is a screen reader. Now you're probably asking yourself, let, let's start from square one. What is a screen reader? So a screen reader basically takes a Windows PC and it's, it's a piece of software and turns it into a talking computer. Now there are multiple screen readers on the market, but the one that I utilize is probably the most advanced. Well, it is the most advanced screen reader on the market at this point. It is a screen reader that is called JAWS and it stands for job access with speech, but we just call it JAWS or JF. Those of us who use it, we just call it JAWS or JFW, JAWS for Windows for short. And what it allows us to do is it allows us to navigate around a computer. Um, forget the, if you can picture this, you use Windows, okay? You, you use Windows, you're clicking with a mouse, you're going around, you're, you know, you're pointing, you're clicking, you're doing all that stuff. Well, we can do the same thing. The difference is, while you guys would use the mouse, we have keyboard navigation keys that have been built in. There's literally hundreds of combinations. Thank God I have a good memory. I was going to say, I don't think I would be capable of remembering all those. <laughs> and some of them you use every day. Some of them you don't use much at all. But it basically what it does is it allows us to focus on different areas of the screen and get to different places where we need to go. Um, and allows us to interact with those types of things and have spoken feedback that will read that information to you on the screen. So for instance, let, let's, let's, we talked about IMC earlier. Let's, let's go through that. I'll, I'll kind of bring you down a little, a, a little basic IMC 101. So, you know, I get a call and, you know, I, I pick up the phone, you know, blah, 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 fire department, you know, getting all the information. So I hit F11. All right. You guys may click a mouse or whatever. Well, I'm going through the various fields and JAWS reads to me the prompt that is supposed to go in those fields. For instance, the, the address, it's going to read to me and say, you know, you know, address, and then you tab over and it, you know, like it wants the street, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So while you guys are looking at that on a screen, it's speaking it to me and, um, that's how I'm able to navigate various levels of, of this job. Um, that, is, that is a huge, probably the most important piece of technology that I have in my arsenal um, because it literally has been a life changer, not just in this profession, but in everyday life. Right. So JAWS has been out for probably 25, 26 years, something like that. And it's literally getting advanced every single day. Um, the company who makes it, uh, it's a company called Freedom Scientific. They're out of Florida. And they're literally adding enhancements to this program every single day. Because there are hundreds of thousands of people who use this program. You had mentioned that you work with with others. Um, I, know that, I know that I have challenges 
more challenge, more of a challenge now than when I was in the center of, you know, when I was in the center, I just recall having to have super keen hearing and, you know, listening to the scanner over here and, you know, listening to my officers at the same time and listening to the caller at the same time, because we were, you know, we were a single center dispatch center. So, I mean, single dispatcher dispatch center. And, I know that we had to listen and pay attention to a lot that was going on. Did you ever find that by having to listen to the caller and the screen reader at the same time, was that ever challenging for you? It may have been at the beginning, um, but it, it didn't last long because I realized that, okay, look, this is something I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to basically walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah. And I just adapted because I knew that was, that was part of the gig. And, you know, I had to be able to, you know, with a caller in, you know, one ear and then, you know, in my other ear here, hear jaws babbling away at me and, you know, hopefully, hopefully get things in the right spot, which I was able to. Yeah. Um, like I said before, you know, you, you lose in one sense, you gain in another and that hearing, you know, the, your sense of hearing really kind of goes into overdrive. Well, and yeah. I don't think you would have been in the seat for 32 years if you weren't successful in mastering, if you will, this this technique. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I people have said to me, like, you're on the phone, you're listening to and you got the radio going, you right. know, and you've and, and it's just it's one of those things where you just jump in and do it you, because you have to because the emergency doesn't stop. Just we got to rock and roll. We just got to get it done, you know. Yeah. So, so the, the first thing, because everybody that's listening knows I'm super passionate about, um, location of, of these callers does, did you have the ability now? I don't, I'm not sure how the, the, the equipment in your secondary dispatch center, uh, was equipped with any type of mapping solution, but did you have any technological resources to help you with mapping and location of the caller? We did not. We did okay. not have. We did not have any of that stuff. Um, mainly, in, no, now in Rhode Island, it, it it just it's not there because of you know the nine one one setup, yep. um, the way it's set up down here. I got to tell you, from from what I experienced, you know, in Rhode Island was you know was a was a big part of my career. That that's what I'm that's what I'm used to. Like I had somebody at nine one one on the other end who said, okay you know, they gave me this piece of information, that piece of information. And that was really helpful because we could actually concentrate on doing what we were supposed to do. And that is getting apparatus to the appropriate place. You know, we yep. wouldn't be distracted by looking at, you know, a map or whatever. And I, I guess there's a couple of ways to look at that. Like from that perspective, it was great because we could, we could concentrate fully on, on getting, getting them the help that they need that much quicker. Not that we can't do it, you know, with maps and things like that. Right. People have asked me, how many maps have you read in your career? I'll tell you, zero. <laughs> Can we read them? Can we, you know, get a, um, you know, now with technology and Google Maps and things, you know, we do have access to some, you know, to some things that, that, that certainly help. Um, and of course, you know, a lot of the 911s, you know, do utilize a bunch of stuff with, with, Google Maps that give you text feedback and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, there is that type of stuff that's that's available now. Um, 
you know, but for the longest time, no, I didn't read it. I didn't read a single map. And I think one of the things that helped me was I didn't know every street um, in the places that I dispatched, but I got to be familiar with a lot of them because one of the things that I did several times was do a drive around in, in the city and kind of got a mental map in my head of you know, okay, you go down this main street, you know, you go X amount, you're at you're this main street. So you may not know every single road, but you have a general idea of, and that came in handy many times. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I just, I, I know that, <laughs> I know I still sit here when I have these conversations with you as I, I just kind of sit here in awe listening to you and thinking to myself, what, how would I do my job if I couldn't, I couldn't see? And, and you see, it's almost like you make, you make it seem so easy that as long as the tools are in place, you are able to do that. Now, I, I can't imagine that you would be able to do, you know, both a call taking and dispatching. Like there are limitations to what you would be able to do if given an opportunity to be in a 911 center, right? Like there, I mean, there has to be some limitations, right? Well, I think if, if you're in a, it would be very difficult in a one person 911 center. Yeah. Um, I think where you have multiple people, like two or more, it would be, it would be certainly easier, you know, yeah. because you'd probably have one person doing call taking and, you know, another one dispatching or vice versa. Yeah. Um, I think a one person, and I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the, you know, the one person 911 centers, they're not extinct yet, but they're certainly headed away from that um, for a number of reasons, as we know, you know, and I think that'll probably continue. We're getting to a point where call volume is just, it, it's increasing more and more in a, in a one man show is just, it's harder to do these days. Well, yeah, and the call the call volume is increasing, but so are their responsibilities. Like I think about Massachusetts, and when we were moving to, oh my goodness, it's it's been since two thousand and twelve, almost ten years now, uh, where they the state had mandated the emergency medical dispatch, where all the nine one centers in the state of Massachusetts had to provide um, emergency medical dispatch for medical calls and. You know that was challenging. We, I, I was so proud of my dispatchers. It took it took us a little while to get into a you know a fluid movement of it, but for the most part, they when 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 I left the center, they they were doing an amazing job. And it's that perseverance and you know persistent to to get through the adversity. And but I just I know that over time the responsibilities are becoming more and more the the mental health aspect of it is is definitely taking its toll, especially over over this last year. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, this has so been this has been this has been I think this pandemic has been a huge tax. I, I, I'll tell you this. I'm glad I'm not doing it right now because the guys I know who are doing it, it's 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 a lot because there's so much more that was just tossed on their plate with this whole pandemic. Yeah, it's super challenging. And, and my heart breaks for for the folks that are in the seat. I, I'm watching them, you know, very active on social media and, and seeing what everybody's going through. And and I don't know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think I would have been resilient enough to to handle it and get the job done. But 
I can Same see here. how it's, I, I can see how it, it, it is super challenging. And, and I know that there's a lot of places that are shorthanded, right? And, you know, I would love, I, I, do you think that at, at any point you'd be looking to get back into the, the 911 center? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, I enjoy, first of all, I'm a people person to begin with. Yep. So I enjoy interacting. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm, you know, I would, everybody always used to say to me, you walk in and you've always got a smile on your face because I'm just, I'm that type of person, you know, I can have the worst day in the world, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, when I walk in, I've got to be, I've got to be there to help somebody. Right. And you might as well have some compassion for them and put on your, you know, your happy face and do the best you can. Now, is every day perfect? Of course not. We all know how these things go. There's, you know, you run into ups and downs. You run into some crazy calls. You run into some calls that, you know, I wish I never had. You just, you do the best you can. You, you, you try and put that happy face on and hit every call head on. That's really the way, the way I've always approached it. Yeah. And I think, and I think when you have a situation, you know, that has caused you to adapt and overcome um, I'm actually writing writing an article on you know how to bounce back after after a critical call, and one of the things that I definitely talk about is you know not only resilience about being able to bounce back after a critical call, but you know what are the tools that you're putting in place to make sure that when whatever that is hits, you are able to to navigate kind of through it. And I think, you know, in your situation, you you've had to overcome a lot of of challenges that many people may not have had to overcome. So that allowed you to know like that you could go through it, if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just I've tried to hit every challenge head on. And that's what I've that's fortunately I've been pretty successful at doing that. And you know what I think is super awesome about you too is is how you understand that while you may not be in a 911 center right now, like if you were to apply somewhere and for whatever reason you, you didn't get the job there, you take that with grace, right? And you have an understanding that the things that you need in place may be scary for somebody. And, and I know so many 911 directors out there that are just super forward thinking. They, you know, love the industry. They're always looking for ways to just get better and better and better. And I wanted to bring you onto the podcast because I wanted folks out there to know that if there was somebody like Jed that wanted to come work in your 911 center, that there were ways to do that. Right. And I think folks just they don't I, I think I think one of our conversations, we talked about how on paper, if somebody looked at you on paper, you know, 32 years experience, experience with this product and doing this and, you know, all of this experience they'd be like, wow, this is like a well-rounded person. But then you're like, OK, so just so you know, I'm I'm blind. I can imagine a director going. I wouldn't even know how to. I, how do I do this? Sure, sure. What would you tell them? 
and and here here's what I have really tried to push to to tell people. We have, and, and I, when I say we, I mean th those of us who are who are blind who do this job. Because I'm not the only one in the country. There are actually a few other people um, that I know that I'm that I'm good friends with. Okay. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll I'll get to them in a minute. We have we, we've there. So so basically, there there is no owner's manual. Okay, there is no book to put these adaptations in play in place. The book right. is in our head because we've had to adapt and we've had to kind of write this as we go along. And it really requires not difficult solutions to be put in place, but as I've as I have said to many, many people, what it requires is it may seem hard on the surface, but it's really thinking outside the box a little bit yeah. and saying, okay, if we can't do it this way, how can we accomplish the same goal by doing it this way? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an example that I've been met with a lot of resistance. Um, and, I'm, and hopefully it will, this, this is kind of a battle that I've been fighting. One of the ways that, a lot of 911 centers test applicants is a system called critical yeah which is a um i don't even know where they're uh, where they're out of but it's basically a multitasking test you know or you know to to test your ability to see what you can handle from a a person who's blind critical is awful and let me kind of explain it a little bit so you so you understand why. So the whole purpose well, I, of critical. So, so I've so I've used critical in my old agency, and as soon as you're saying it, and again, like that, like just just to be clear, this isn't anything wrong with critical. It's just in your situation, it is not going to work. Right. It's it's not going to work. First of all, it's it's a screen reader nightmare because of the way that it's set up, the idea of course, with critical is that they're trying to test your ability on various aspects of the job, such as typing, uh, audio comprehension, you know, things like that. Um, but there's little logistic issues that come up. For instance, when um, you'll be in the middle of, you know, listening to audio and an emergency message will come up on the screen. Okay. Yeah. Well, in reality, in in the job, it it doesn't quite happen like that. Like you you you're not in the middle of listening to, and then a, you know an emergency thing comes up in the CAD. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't always work that way. So right. it's a screen reader nightmare. So what I have been an advocate for is let's break these modules down of critical. And for instance, for instance, let's look at just typing, for instance, just typing basic, you know, names, addresses, phone numbers. If I can type, which I obviously can, why couldn't we do some sort of test where instead of using the critical platform, okay, you want to copy down name, addresses, and phone numbers, we just give that information and type it. And I think because of the mechanics of critical, 
you know, I haven't been able to pass all the critical tests because it has been a screen reader nightmare. And it's been the, the mechanics of it. It's not that I can't do the actual job. It's because the way that program is set up in my particular situation. Right. There's a lot of, does that make sense? But yeah, that, that totally, totally makes sense. It's really cool that you've done this job for 32 years and you had what many would see as a disability that wouldn't allow you to do this, this type of work. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate you being here and I Absolutely. hope that if there's anybody that is you know, looking for a telecommunicator that's willing to do the work to to bring you into their 911 family that they can they can reach out to me and I can reach out to you and, and get you hooked up with with those folks. Um, but as we enter into uh, the wrap up, well, before I go into the wrap up, was there anything else that you think would be really important to to kind of touch base on with this? Having done this job as long as I have you know, a lot of the, the toolbox has gotten pretty full. So Jed, I'm, I could talk about this stuff all day, but as we head into the, the wrap up, is there anything that you could say to a 911 director, a manager that, you know, finds this as a very interesting topic that, you know, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I, I would love to hire them, but I just, I don't even know where to begin. And, and they, they're nervous. Like, is there anything that you could say to a, a manager or a director that was faced with the potential of hiring somebody who can't see? Well, I think that the important thing that needs to happen is that rather than just looking at stuff on the immediate surface, it needs to be broken down a little bit. And we kind of need to go through each area of, you know, the center and, you know, come up, okay, how we can do this, how we can do that, you know, break down the individual modules of how I'm going to be able to do this, that, and the other thing. And I think that's a really important step because there are certain aspects, a lot on a technical level that we have access to that I think most people don't realize we have access to. We can tap into resources that will assist with making that happen. Generally speaking, all these adaptations can be funded through various sources. So as far as an agency having to outlay, you know, thousands of dollars to make an adaptation, we have a lot of resources at our disposal that we can tap into. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine who's blind, he dispatches out in Kentucky for a countywide operation. Okay. And he needed um, his CAD system, but there were a few screens that were kind of like they worked with JAWS, but they were kind of funky and they didn't work too well. He had a, JAWS uses a thing called scripting language. So they were able to get a hold of one of the, the company that makes JAWS has a lot of people who do custom script writing. They were able to get a hold of the guy who was able to come in and write some custom scripts so that these particular functions on the CAD worked perfectly, exactly how he needed them to work. 
So those are the types of things. And I'm that, that's one of many examples. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll give you another one. Th this I thought was pretty cool. And me being the techie guy that I am, I thought this was pretty slick. Mm -hmm. um, as a lot of you know, the newer radio consoles, such as the Motorola MCC 5500, they're all mouse driven. Okay. And a lot of people have said, well, you can't work that. Well, you can. And even without modifications, it's pretty doable. However, what a friend of mine, my, my, the same friend who's in Kentucky, what he did was he reached out to his, the local radio shop that does all the work on their radio system. And they happen to have a pretty good, of, you know, good amount of creative people over there. And what they did was they created for him a custom keyboard overlay so for instance they made it so when he's working he loads a profile and he is able to run that radio console from the keyboard so for instance we'll, we'll use this as an example say you need to change channels let's take the top row of your keyboard your numbers one two three four five six those are used to switch your channels on the console where most people would click the mouse he just hits, oh, I have to go to channel two, hit number two on the keyboard. And oh, wow. it does and it does it. They did the same thing for the for the tones because they use various tones to send out fire and EMS throughout the county. And they assign those to the function keys. Wow. So you hit the function key on the keyboard and it so those types of examples are the types of things that we have access to which a lot of people don't realize we have we have access to and they can be implemented um in in various centers all over the country you wow, know because these these, cool. these same concepts can work all over the place definitely cool stuff so but yes thank you jed so much for for being here i loved this conversation i'm sure others will as well and Absolutely. if you are one of the kentucky folks or um one of your other friends i know you said you had some some other friends uh across the country that are in the same situation if they want to reach out and i'd, I'd love to have a chat with them as well so but thank you so much jed for being here i appreciate you and if anybody is looking for a phenomenal telecommunicator, I, I know Jed is looking at this time. So reach out to me and I will get you in touch with him. So I am thanks, Jed. I am absolutely available. All right. Everybody have a manageable day. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational, and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow me on social media at On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes. From the bottom of my blessed heart, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on Rapid SOS, our premier sponsor, and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and community, visit rapidsos.com today.